Welcome to the Culture of Kindness podcast. Have you wondered about the direction the world is going? Wondered if you and the rest of the world are connecting in a healthy way? I can see it in others, and now I've changed the lens through which I see the world, and to be kind is the only possible result. Because you, you don't have the language of talking, it's kind of almost a language of kindness. In this podcast, we discuss everything from what makes a brilliant leader to where is the world going on our current trajectory and how can we make a culture of kindness and do we actually need to or are we doing all right just as we are? It's roughly 2,000 years since some bloke got nailed to a tree for suggesting that we should all be a little bit nicer to each other. And I fear that over the last 2,000 years we haven't moved on very far from that. Inherently, humans are very badly flawed. And there, there is... I, Nahala Summers, became obsessed about the power of kindness after it was the kindness of a stranger that changed my life. So now I am lucky enough to talk to the most eclectic mix of people, probably on any podcast. Come inside and subscribe. It will open your mind and world up to the best examples of living life wholeheartedly. When you look on the Facebook, even when you look in the comments on BBC, everyone goes, oh, I hate bullies. But then that's like saying, I hate water. You know, bullies have come from somewhere. And what was going to tap on my shoulder from somewhere that said, you cannot just do an act of kindness in a day and that be good enough. Hello. Hi, Josh. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Good. I'm very well. Welcome to the podcast. Amazing. Um, <laughs> the, the wonders of modern technology. It's so easy nowadays, isn't it? I know. I know. Thank you so much. You've got this incredible story that you've been sharing and and I'm fortunate enough to be kind of following you on LinkedIn. So I've been getting a whole host of it and mm. along with stuff that you've been doing with the BBC recently. Uh, for anyone who's listening, maybe to start off with telling us a bit about that story about yourself and also ultimately what makes you happy. Well, I guess my, my my story starts right from the beginning when when I was a child and the environment that I grew up in um, and the influence that that's had on my life. Uh, but I never really knew the influence it had on my life until I reached breaking point when I was sort of in my mid twenties. I um, kind of had a breakdown, I guess. I I'd reached a place where I was drinking heavily um, to cope. I was holding down a job and and actually progressing in my job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just surviving, really. And um, I made a decision to quit to quit alcohol when I was 24 years old to try and um, create some change in my life. And um, what I found was when I when I stopped drinking is that um, the ways that I found fell off the fell off the edge of a cliff. And actually, I got I got a lot worse. Um, and so I realized then that the alcohol was kind of um, uh, a way of escaping what was truly happening my my, my real problem which was suffering from um tr- trauma untreated trauma from when i was a child and um since stopping drinking then i've been on a journey where i've had to find myself and find ways to deal with my feelings and my emotions um without without any kind of uh substance escape mm. And uh, so the last 
that was uh, just over seven years ago now that I stopped drinking. And, 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 and so I've been on a journey then. But what I realized was that although um, my struggles were, were, were kind of extreme in comparison to some people's, most of my struggles um, are, are struggles that people are facing in their everyday life. And I realized that we're, if we're all struggling to, to some varying degree with that stuff, but none of us seem to be talking about it, certainly on any public level. Um, and I realized about myself that like, you know, as a, as a man, uh, I wasn't any of the things that I thought a man was supposed to be. I'm sort of sensitive and thoughtful when I get stuck in my emotions and I'm quite deep and all these things were, were characteristics that I ran away from and I hid and I, and I created a different narrative and I created a different character. Um, and what I realized was that my real strength in that healing process in the last seven years was when was when I kind of came out, when I came out to the world and said, hang on a minute, I'm not everything that I've been saying that I am, and this is who I really am. And when I did that, I found real power in that. Um, and I found a lot of strength in my vulnerability, and that's what I've been trying to share with the world ever since, mm. really. Um, and that's what I do in my work now. Um, I, I've got a real belief in kind of humanising mental health to not make it too much of this kind of, uh, unreachable thing that happens to people over there that it's more we, we, we all play a part in and all feel to varying degrees um, and then and, and then to, to, to say what really makes me happy today I guess where I find real happiness is um, when I feel very grounded in the present moment and when I'm able to connect with the people that mean something to me on a, on a deep level uh, uh, and that's where I find real happiness is really being present in the moment. Um, but what I also know is that for me, uh, that feeling can be quite fleeting mm. at times. Um, and acceptance of that has, has helped me a lot. Uh, so that's kind of a really shortened version to try and break it down so that we don't take up the whole time <laughs> just telling no, you No, no, I love it. And, and it. and it leads me on. So... What do you think stops us currently from talking about emotions? It's, we're stoically British. I don't think it just sits with mm. us British. But, you know, we have that stoically British viewpoint. But what really stops us from having that conversation? Well, I do believe uh, that it's, it is this fear of vulnerability, this fear of feeling exposed to some level. Uh, and what I've kind of realized, actually, um, certainly when we're talking of LinkedIn and that space, is, um, is that it's not necessarily that we don't like talking about emotions because we find it a lot easier to talk about um, the, the, the good emotions, right? So if we've just got a success, something's happened successfully, we've got a new job or a new position within our job, we're very comfortable to kind of share how good we feel about that and the joy that we feel. Actually, what we what we struggle to do and feel uncomfortable doing is the emotions that are, um, quote unquote, more negative feelings. Right. That's what we struggle to um, to share and spend time with more. And I think the reason the reason for that um, is this vulnerability is that if we let people know our flaws, we have this fear that they'll somehow be exploited, which. Uh, my experience just doesn't say that's actually the case, but but I think that it's fear, it's fear of vulnerability. You talked about the person that was and then the person that you became and mm. how 
you obviously felt better about saying, no, this is me and, and I'm okay with that. Who was that person? Who was the person now that you became that you, that you felt so uncomfortable about sharing with the world? Um, I think it was the person I lost when I was young. Um, and so I, because I grew up in a, in a, with an alcoholic father who I lost when I was nine years old, he, he, he basically took his own life slash drank himself to death. Um, and I believe as a, as a human being, uh, what I did as a child is I began to react to the world in a way that would um, protect myself. And so rather than being um, a human being, and there's a guy called John Bradshaw who talks about going from being a human being um, to a human doing. Mm. And that's what I did. I, I, I stopped ultimately as a child being curious and trying to discover who I was. And I started to become who I needed to be to survive in the world. So, for example, one of the things that I did is I noticed that when I acted um, silly, if I acted a bit like a clown and a bit like a joker, people in my company would tend to be happy and would be uh, and would laugh. And so I became the clown and joker because um, I got lots of validation for that. So rather than than being who I was, I started to be somebody else to protect myself and make the world um, more manageable. And so when I was a child, these these coping mechanisms that I picked up served a purpose mm -hmm. then. Um, but as I grew up and as I went into the adult world and, you know, when, when we become young adults, we start to want to find ourselves. We start to, you know, we're looking at making relationships and, and things like that. And because I was never who I was supposed to be, I was doing as being who I who I needed to be to make life manageable the relationships that I built and the bonds that I made were were false because because they were based on the person I needed to be to be able to show up in a world and have it feel less painful than what it ultimately was um and so I do I do feel like um we are creating a little bit of a society where uh people are growing up with kind of unmet needs and so we're we're, we're, we're countering that and doing things to cope. And I think that's why lots of us reach adulthood feeling a little mm. bit lost. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you think, you know, you've gone through this journey, quite an incredible journey of, of self-discovery and change in your own life and, and acceptance of yourself. And, and I'm sure that's brought up some real challenges. What, mm. Where has kindness of others fitted into that you know has there been situations where you've relied on the kindness of others to see you through some of those difficult and challenging emotional times uh, well, absolutely so um you know i talk very much about not being self-made and that actually i am where i am today ultimately because of the kindness of people around me and being able to accept that kindness from people around me um, kindness to me um, has to be steeped and rooted in compassion, mm. compassion and empathy. And so when I look back to when I decided to stop drinking at that time of my life, I was spending a lot of time in the, the local pub um, and the landlord of the pub had had his own issues. Actually, he'd had problems with gambling, but he had um, stopped gambling and had stopped gambling for a period mm. of time. Um, and what he did, he was a very charismatic guy and he used to share his stories. And in doing so, he sort of created this space where, where I felt like I, I, there was a part of me that related to him. I, I felt like I drank in the way that he spoke about gambling. Mm. 
And he used to let me stay behind, actually, in the pub. And the pub shirt, I would stay there sometimes with him and we would have conversations. And his kindness in their moments came as, as deep compassion mm-hmm. of holding the space for me. So he never tried to fix me. He never, um, he never sort of told me what I needed to do to change. He just held the space um, and allowed me to become curious about the ways that I felt. It allowed me to explore that. Um, and, 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 and it was him that, um, uh, made a suggestion that maybe I had a problem with, with alcohol, um, or he helped me come to a position where I recognized I did. Um, and, and it was because of that, that I stopped drinking alcohol and that came from his, his kindness of, um, uh, finding the courage to be able to step into my darkness and sit mm-hmm. for a while, not, not, not try to fix me, not try to pull me out not try to give me solutions, but just to hold that space for me so that, so that I could explore, explore the ways that I felt um, in a completely non-judgmental way. Um, and, and that moment changed my life. And, and I recognized that. And I recognized that, um, that ultimately I need, I, I need help in this world. Um, and I, and I think, I think, I think as people, you know, I think we are um, creatures that, that crave mm-hmm. connection and, connection comes with kindness right you have to be kind enough to allow people into your uh, into your space so that you can hold that space for each other and so and and i guess that's what real kindness is is mm-hmm. for me um going beyond the kind of giving that we talk about and being there for each other i just i think real kindness is about um almost uh, without being too <laughs> out there I like opening the gateway to your space and allowing somebody to come in and, and share um, one another in, in kind of all your glory. I know that sounds a little bit kind of no. out there, but, 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 it, but it's about sharing ourselves, about being vulnerable enough to expose ourselves enough for each other so that we might, you know, we might feel safe in each other's uh, Do you think space. we're getting better at that as a society? Do you think we're getting better at that? Um. I think it's very easy to think that we're not. And it's very easy to think that as a society, we're heading on the wrong path. But with the world changing as quickly as it is and as fast paced as it is, uh, I would always give a nod to how well we're doing in spite of yeah. all that and in spite of that stuff. But, but, but with that, I also do see the struggles that we're now having um, in really connecting with each other on on any given level because we have lots of quick fixes now Mm. right um you know with technology the way that it is um it's very easy now to um escape the moment escape having to spend any time with the vulnerable side of yourself because you can escape it in in just social media or or anything on your device now right i mean we can literally go the whole day if we want without having to spend a single second uh with ourselves and so we the need for connection is almost getting lost in that barrier of just mm. escaping and and i and, and i guess in, in in some ways that's no different to the ways that i used mm. to drink yeah right I, I i would i would drink to escape the ways that i felt and quite often now what we do is look at a device to escape the ways that we feel um but ultimately you know to combat the, the that that feeling of loneliness and isolation we need connection and, and you can't get that through a device so um, I don't see it as the device's <laughs> fault. I see the, 
I see it as a, a, a you know we are I, I do think that there is a there is a struggle um, because our true selves are getting lost in the busyness of today's world. Yeah, that absolutely. Makes sense. And almost that we're in this situation where we need to numb. And so then we find ways to do that, whether that's alcohol or through our phones or through any of these means, the need to numb out things because we're not talking about it. But, but I think, you know, you mm. bring up a really important point. It's so easy for us to look at the short term, look at this moment and go, oh, it's so much worse. But then if you think mm. about, you know, in the world war, when people were in situations, people came home and they didn't talk about anything you know it was quite well known mm. that people had suffered with ptsd and you know families broke apart and terrible terrible times for people because people didn't talk about it and i don't know whether mm. we would ever be in that situation again and so you bring up quite a valid point it's easy to look at where we are now and not consider the development of how far we have actually really come so yeah mm. i really love that do you do you, you know, you're starting to do this stuff with um, leaders and working through your workshops. Do you, do you see that empathy is, is rising or the need for empathy is rising within leadership and companies and within your work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, and actually, not, not to be too, too dramatic, I don't, I don't actually think it's, it's gone beyond a need, actually. I think people are crying mm. out for it. Um, to, to to some extent i think like for for a long period of time we went through this kind of uh there was a real rise in motivation right in this kind of uh being positive all the time and not letting any negativity come into your life and you don't need any of that and cut out all the negativity and just be positive and make sure you cease every day and although i absolutely see a place for for motivation it, uh, for me it can't come at the expense of validation. Um, and I think that's what people are craving now. They're craving some kind of realness, um, some kind of vulnerability, because people know that that relentless need to cease every day is ultimately a little bit unrealistic and a, a bit unreachable. And I think people know there is a need for, for that connection to come back. So, you know, certainly within all organisations, I think to be a leader a true leader i i believe you you, you have to be able to get more comfortable with being vulnerable because um you know to really put yourself on the line you you have to be you have to be vulnerable yeah. you literally cannot do it without that vulnerability and uh without spending some time being able to just have a little bit of a look in look in and spend time with ourselves if we're not ultimately trying to do that all the time i think that's why we get lost we, we we just get so lost in in the like the busyness of life because i you know in today's world i think that, like being busy is the new i'm okay right <laughs> yes. it, it, it's like when you when you say to people now um and, I, and i'm guilty of this right people will say to me how you doing and i'll go oh, i'm just so busy i'm so busy and then there are days when i'm not and i think and some if somebody said to me <laughs> Oh really? What have you got on? I'd think. Oh, if I had anything on, I'd be too busy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because it's busy. Like this, this need to be busy is the new. It's the new yeah. fashion. Uh, and sometimes we need to slow down and just check ourselves or see where we're at. So I think people are crying out for that. How how do we get that then? Because you know, there's this balance between 
kindness and empathy and compassion and all these these great things where we're connecting with ourselves and connecting with the people around us but also with getting the job done because those leaders that are kind of stoically authoritarian in their approach you do what I say I'm the leader and I lead from you know the front rather than from behind and mm. and um those leaders are like, oh, you know, we, we're getting a job done. We don't need to do kindness. We're just getting work done. Um, how mm. would you say that you balance that kind of kindness approach to getting the job done? Well, I think ultimately anybody that's too rigid in any form of leadership, right, I think rigidity mechanism. So... So when I when I deliver like a resilience workshop, the resilience workshop is all about spending time with us, looking at one what triggers us, and then and, and two what our normal go to reaction is to that, and then looking at how perhaps we can we can do that differently. And I think when you create a space where somebody um, has to spend time within themselves. Um, when done well, I believe even the most authoritarian leader will ultimately come up against some of their own flaws. And I think when you're forced into a space where you spend a little bit of time with your own flaws, it breeds compassion because you start to realize I've been doing X, Y, or Z to cope. Mm -hmm. And so you start to see it in other yeah. people. Um, and you know, when we talk about kindness and spending time with ourselves um, and well-being um, and the whole, you know, uh, all, all, everything that comes with that, I, I, I'm, ve I, I'm also a bit of a realist. So I know that you can't go into an organization and say, right, you need to now only work three days a week and two of the days you need to spend <laughs> meditating and the other one you need to spend going out and giving away every bit of money you've earned, right, to make sure that you know about kindness. Yeah. I know it doesn't work like that. And I know lots of people do live really mm. busy lives. But there's times when, uh, just for example, if you're in the car, when you're driving the car, you are forced uh, quite close to being in the present because there's no, you can't use a device, right? And often we'll turn the radio on and escape into the radio. But even just turning the radio off when you're in the car, mm. silent. And just use that time to start to listen, be present enough to listen to what your mind is saying, right? Um, that in itself becomes mindfulness, right? So it's not about breaking up all our days. It's about using um, time in our lives wisely to make sure that we are not escaping every single second of every mm -hmm. single day. Uh, and, th and there's always time to find time to become present in, in your life. Um, and if you really value it, um, and you can find value in it, then you will find the time anyway as well. So, um, do you do you believe yeah. that the stresses that we have in life, or that people have in life, and the kind of um, the history affects, it or has to affect the way that people are kind to each other, or not? What the, what what stresses we face in life does it yes. affect our kindness? Um. I think it does if we get if we get lost in the stresses, mm. right? I think when like we find ways to cope that serve a purpose in certain aspects of our life, and so <clears> I do, like the, when we talk about an authoritarian leader, um, 
and we all know him. <laughs> I mean, Vulcan Cross leaders like that, right? The reason I say that's a coping mechanism is because I, I believe being completely authoritarian is is almost like the idea of the black and white thinking, which becomes in itself a it's a coping mechanism because it leaves nothing to chance and it leaves nothing to any kind of curiosity and any and, and anything like that. And so when we become very rigid like that, we are actually shutting ourselves off to loads of other things, not not only just the uh, um, like the the concern and, and the stress of not knowing what might happen. And so I think the very when we talk about kindness, the very act of being kind to somebody. It, it it opens you into a place of the unknown automatically, right? Because you, to share something with somebody, I mean, properly share it lovingly mm. and kindly, you're exposing a part of yourself, mm. right? Uh, I mean, straight away, it might it might it might be rejected and not accepted in the way that you're giving yeah. it, right? And if you're truly giving it to be kind, um, then you're you're leaving yourself vulnerable. And so, I think stress does when we feel stressed, when we feel out of control, we start to do things to um feel in control again and if we're not aware of what's stressing us and we're not aware of the process that our mind's gone through it's very easy to fall into the trap of telling ourselves certain narratives to protect ourselves from ultimately the fear mm. of the unknown that, yeah absolutely yeah absolutely what do you do to manage your personal well-being now because you've obviously gone through this journey that has allowed you to get yourself to a situation where you no longer need to numb um, the effects of life and mm. and the challenges that you've faced. But what do you mm. do to continue to deal with that? So I'm, I'm, mine's a little bit, probably a little bit extreme. And again, I like when I say this, this is just what I do. And I would <laughs> suggest that everybody needs to do this. Right. But I have a, a thorough evening and a thorough morning routine. So I get up at half past five every day, um, regardless of what I'm doing. And I go to bed at half past nine every night, regardless of what I'm doing. Um, and I start the process of going to bed at nine o'clock, mm. half an hour before I go to bed. Um, and I always make sure that I, I've got all my stuff ready so that in the morning I'm up and into whatever I'm mm. doing. Uh, and, the re and then in the morning I do, I get up, I go straight to do 40 minutes of movement and then I do 20 minutes in silence, um, which sometimes is mindfulness. It's sometimes listening to my inner self. Um, I guess it could all be classed as mindfulness, but what I'm saying is it's not always like deep mm. meditation. It's just forcing myself into the moment with myself, no devices, anything like that, just spending time with myself. Um, and the reason that, um, I have them quite strict like that is because, because I get anxious mm. easy. Uh, uh, you know, I get anxious about things and, and I stress about things. Um, it's good to have these routine parts of my life that I fall into and they're of healing nature and they're like a safe place um, where I know what's happening and I know what's going on. Um, and I do that all the time. Also, I, uh, so I put creams and stuff on my face mm. in the morning. Um, there's there's a couple of reasons for this. The first one is it's it's a way of I don't even really like whether the creams do anything, but uh, what they do do is it's me telling me my body and myself that um, that I love it yeah. and that um, that I want to I'm here for myself, right? So it's kind of self love, self care, which I think is hugely important. But it's also in the mirror. 
Um, and there's really, there's something quite powerful about looking yourself in the eye mm. directly um, of a morning because I will, I've found that if I'm struggling with something, if something's causing me um, a bit of pain or, or, or stress or anxiety, I, I find it difficult to look myself in the eye. Or when I do, I see myself in all my glory. So um, I, it helps me to keep on, on, on top of that stuff. And then also what I do is um, I use my community. I use my, and when I say my community, I mean my close friends and my family to make sure that I am sharing really honestly with them. Um, when things come up as soon as I can I'm not very good at doing it all the time but as soon as I can if I say I'm struggling I feel scared about Mm. this or that then I make sure that I'm using the help that's Mm. there Um, because that's 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 just so Mm. important right and and anxiety by the way for me um, looks like a million and one different things Uh, we just associate anxiety with just feeling feeling scared and frightened but actually there's more layers to it than that to like my fear of anxiety will mean that quite often if I'm angry and mm. irritable, um, that's me protecting myself from the ultimate feeling of anxiety of feeling scared and frightened. So I, I will mask that with feeling anger. So when I'm angry, I'll check myself. Why, what's this about? What am I frightened mm. of? What am I trying to protect rather than mm. uh, using blame, which blame is a yes. coping mechanism, whether I'm blaming, whether I'm blaming myself or, or yes. you, right? It's pointing away from having to spend time with the reality of what I'm struggling with. So it's about understanding my, my, the way I speak to myself my, and listening to myself and spending time with myself to make sure that I know who I am, what I am, and, and, and that ultimately I keep compassion for, for, the, for the man that I am yes, today. You know, absolutely. I know that I'm flawed. I know that I make mistakes. Um, um, and... <laughs> Sometimes I don't always learn from them, and I make the same mistake again. But 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 I'm a I'm a human being trying my best in the world, and I and 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 when when you have compassion for yourself, it means that you know you can you get to show up again because you don't spend the time beating yourself up for the for the mistakes that you yes, do make. Absolutely, being kind to yourself so hugely important and underestimated, I think. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and almost seen as selfish in our in I know, our and yes, I'm just actually writing about that at the moment within the book, and it's a mm. fascinating um, it's culture that we have put upon ourselves, really. Um, but I think mm. it will change, and it will change quickly because so much of our culture really mm. has. Um, yeah. Josh, already we have come to the end of the podcast, which seems shocking, really. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's been an absolute pleasure. I know that people will take a lot away from it um, today. So to to end today's podcast, I always ask the final question about what does a culture of kindness mean to you and, and how do you think we get that in the world? Uh, a culture of kindness comes from compassion for each other. Um, that's my belief. And, and, and I think the way that we um, find compassion for each other is working on ourselves, becoming compassionate for ourselves. And the moment we understand our own flaws, um, I think we can be kind to each other and accepting of each other's flaws because we'll recognize ultimately how flawed mm-hmm. we are. Um, and it breeds compassion. And so I, I think... That, 
that's probably the shortest answer I could give you without doing it without doing another five podcasts on it <laughs> oh that is absolutely brilliant and where can people find you um where can people look up what you're doing and your videos because your videos are absolutely brilliant really inspiring thank you yeah so the the, the best thing to do is my website is joshconnolly.co.uk um and all my social links are on there i mean i'm josh underscore ffw on things like instagram and twitter uh, and facebook and then linkedin yeah. um josh Connolly. but but like i say if you go on my website joshconnolly.co.uk everything's linked yeah. on there brilliant um, so brilliant easy. brilliant brilliant thank you so much for your time josh i know that we will have thank you so much from it i know i have brilliant i appreciate thanks it. so thank much you. bye Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Whether you're a CEO or department manager, you can build a more productive, profitable and engaged workforce through adopting the theory laid out in my latest book available on Amazon, aptly also named A Culture of Kindness. It will guide you on how to be the type of leader that every employee remembers for all the right reasons. You can also subscribe to the monthly newsletter at www.nahalasummers.com to hear more about the latest talks, courses and upcoming podcast episodes. Thank you.